it's Friday night, and that means it's time for the Three Valleys Radio Racing Show. All our usual guests will be here again this week, including Richard Phillips, Dave Wilson, Colin Brown, Jamie Snowden, This week's equine superstar is Frankel. And we'll be having a look back on the Cheltenham meeting from last weekend. So, sit back and enjoy yourself and let's see if we can find a few winners for the weekend. and welcome to another edition of The Racing Show. My name's A.D. Hopper. I'm here to steer you through the show, which we hope will be useful and enjoyable for you. So let's get started, as we always do, with Mike Patton and all the racing news from the racing media. Hello and a very warm welcome along to this week's edition of The Racing News, with all the news that is the news across the racing media, including Racing TV, The Racing Post and The Sporting Life. Here's our first story this week. A year-long joust between Star Sports and a big staking fan of Energamine turned in the bookmaker's favour at Cheltenham on Saturday after two bets totalling £725,000 were sunk when the nine-year-old could only manage third in the Grade 1 Clarence House chase. In last year's Clarence House, Brighton-based Star Sports laid an unnamed punter a single bet of £360,000 at 6-4 on Inergamine to defeat Shiskin, with the Willie Mullins trained star coming off second best in a titanic tussle up the Ascot Strait. However, the tables were turned at the Cheltenham Festival when a bet of £150,000 on Inergamine at 100-30 in the Queen Mother Champion Chase cost Star Sports £500,000. The bookmaker squared up again with a better on Saturday, accepting bets of £350,000 at 4-7 and £375,000 at 8-15 on Inergamine with the speculation that the figure behind the six-figure stakes was the horse's owner, Tony Bloom, the acclaimed gambler behind Star Lizard and the owner of Premier League football club Brighton & Hove Albion. While not divulging the figure behind the bets, owner of Star Sports Ben Keith said on Sunday, We play clients over the year and wish no horse ill. It doesn't really make any difference to us on individual races, but there are many big bets. We reported it, though, as it was a high-profile race. Star Sports had flagged up on social media on Saturday how it stood to lose £400,000 if Energamine triumphed in the rearranged Clarence House, and Dave Jolly, the bookmaker's head of trading, said the organisation was eager to lay bets where possible. Adding, it was taken through the office, and we often lay this level of bet. We've had similar size bets before and similar bets on Inergamine as well. We don't often publicise these bets we lay, but it was a high-profile horse in a high-profile race and we'll always talk to the customer first to make sure they don't have any problem with us doing so. We always look to accept these bets and it was a bit of a different race after the horse ballooned the first. He looked to me like he went through the race well and then got tired before he made the mistake at the last. He looked over for him before he made that error. We have the Cheltenham Festival not too far away, so we wouldn't be surprised if there were more sizeable bets made during that week. Jolly outlined that volumes of trade had been positive with Star Sports through the winter, despite concerns over field sizes and uncompetitive races, while affordability checks were not impinging too deeply on levels of trade saying, we have to protect the customer in what we do and we work with the Gambling Commission in terms of what's needed. Obviously, if someone is putting bets on of this size, then we would have to be sure they can afford to do so and they are aware of what they are doing. And we have a prior relationship with this customer. Next, here on The Racing News. 
Multiple champion trainer John Gosden on Wednesday warned British horse racing that the imposition of intrusive affordability and source of funds checks on betters, combined with the law of the black market, could prove catastrophic for the sport. Gosden is the latest senior figure in racing to express grave fears about the controversial issue, which is estimated to be costing the sport tens of millions of pounds in revenue. A 2019 estimate calculated racing's income from betting via the levy and media rights at £262 million annually. However, that income is being hit by the introduction of affordability checks by bookmakers, which include requests for personal financial information such as bank statements and P60s. In response, many punters are either giving up betting or are being driven to the black market. Arena Racing Company Chief Executive Mark Credace has estimated that affordability checks have been the principal cause of a £280 million drop in digital betting turnover at the company's 16 courses last year compared to 2019, which he claimed would equate to £800 million across the sport and a £40 million hit to racing's finances. The checks have been introduced as operators come under increasing pressure from the Gambling Commission before the publication of the government's long-delayed Gambling Review white paper. Now approaching his third season as joint trainer with Son Thady, five-time champion Gosden is deeply concerned about the long-term consequences for racing. He said, It's very clearly the law of unintended consequences. These affordability checks are going to damage racing, that's for sure. Obviously, it's an invasion of privacy in the first place, even if it's well intended, and it will without doubt force a lot of gambling onto the black market, which is a very dangerous place to be. This week, the Racing Post reported that Bernard Cullinane, the bloodstock agent behind Princess Zoe and a self-described serious better, had been driven to black market bookmakers, along with dozens of fellow big punters in his circle, by affordability and source of funds checks. Gosden added, Without doubt, people going in the direction of the black market to bet would spell disaster for both the betting industry and the British horse racing industry. Those comments came as industry body the Betting and Gambling Council revealed research it had commissioned had shown the number of UK punters visiting unregulated online black market gambling sites has tripled during the World Cup in Qatar last year. The research also discovered peaks in traffic to black market sites in March during Cheltenham and June during Royal Ascot, which the BGC claimed indicated horse racing was being targeted by unregulated gambling firms. The analysis carried out by US-based research team YieldSec found that in December alone, 250,000 people visited black market sites compared to around 80,000 during the same month the previous year with a similar jump in November. Online traffic to sites advertising services to problem gamblers who had self-excluded from UK operators rose almost 83%. All betting operators licensed by the UK Gambling Commission are required to sign up to the online self-exclusion system GamStop. However, YieldSex report said... Non-GAMSTOCK sites have generated 83% more visits from 27% more unique customers during November to December 2022 compared to the previous two-month period, spending on average 78% more time on site. The BGC said more than 64,500 players searched for black market sites offering betting which circumvented GAMSTOP during that two-month period alone. YieldSec founder and chief executive Ismail Valley said, This trend of increased illegal gambling activity during prominent sporting events reflects the ever-present threat that illegal operators pose to players and the audience. Overall, the number of visits to black market websites from the UK increased by 46% in 2022, with around 148,000 customers accessing such sites each month. 
The research follows a previous report by Price Waterhouse Coopers, commissioned by the BGC, which claimed the number of customers using unlicensed sites more than doubled to 460,000 in 2020, with the money staked in the billions. BGC Chief Executive Michael Dewar said the research exposed, quote, the dire threat the growing unsafe, unregulated black market poses to punters. He added, While the regulated industry was going to great lengths to protect young people during the World Cup and adhering to strict regulations and promoting safer gambling, black market operators were preying on the vulnerable. These unlicensed sites offer none of the safer gambling tools promoted by our members. They pay no tax and employ no one. They do not contribute a penny to sport or services tackling gambling harm, and they do nothing to protect vulnerable players. Dewar said there had been too much complacency about the threat of the black market. He added, rather than dismissing the problem, the regulator and the government need to tread extremely carefully and resist blanket intrusive affordability checks at low levels that push even more punters to these dangerous sites. Responding to the research, a spokesperson for the Gambling Commission said it would be carefully looking at the report commissioned by the Betting and Gambling Council. The spokesperson added, However, we would like to be clear that just because the black market exists, we will not scale back or stop some of the interventions we think we need to make in the regulated market to protect customers. And here's a rather chilly end to our racing news this week. Kieran Schumach rode his first winner of 2023 on just his second ride back from injury at Southwell on Tuesday night. A swift return to form that could be linked to a recent passion for open water swimming. Despite the recent cold snap, the jockey has taken to swimming in lakes and rivers near his home and even broke the ice on a lake in the Alps last month in order to take an icy dip with his brother Connor. Despite the mercury scarcely rising above zero this month, Schumark has been undeterred. He said, A friend of mine introduced me to open water swimming in October, and safe to say I've become obsessed with it. I go in in just a pair of shorts, not a full wetsuit like some people, as I wouldn't get the same out of it. I don't do it for the swimming factor like many. I do it for the cold water exposure. It helps you physically when you're in the water and helps you mentally as well. A lot of people are now doing it, and I've really felt the benefit of it. Schumark enjoyed a breakthrough Group 1 success on Lady Bothorpe in the Nassau Stakes in 2021, and struck again at the same level when Dream Wopa won the Prix de Isafan at Longchamp last summer. He added of his injury woes, I broke my collarbone in September when the, what they call my rotator cuff muscles fell away, and they took a lot of rebuilding. Later I rode at the Breeders' Cup, but it didn't seem right, so I gave it some time and I've since spent five days a week at Oaksey House. Schumark has had some company on his new hobby of late and said, I've been going in any river or lake, but we've particularly been going to Lake 32 at Sirencester, and I managed to get Tom Markand and Holly Doyle along last week. Tom does the ice bath a lot but said that the open water swimming was a different ball game altogether and was far more intense. He loved it, though, and is coming again. Schumark even kept his new passion going on his holidays. I went skiing in the Alps with my brother, O'Connor, a couple of weeks ago and found a lake there and swum in it. We literally had to smash the ice off the lake to get into it. Overall, it's very important to get covered up pretty quickly when you come out. It's important not to overdo it, and for safety, I only spend between 5 and 10 minutes in the water. Sensible fellow. This has been this week's edition of the Racing News, with all the news that is the news from across the racing media, including Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden. Join us again next week, and thanks for listening. OK, that was Mike Padden with all the racing news. Now let's see where we can go racing this weekend. Right, there are seven races on the flat at Lingfield on the all-weather with a 12.10 start, seven races over the jumps at Sandow with a 12.35 start, seven races over the jumps at Weatherby, one o'clock start. At Leopardstown there are seven races over the jumps at 1.20, uh, six races over the jumps at Musselboro with a 1.28 start, 
and seven races on the flat at Kempton on the all-weather with a 5.30 start. And on Sunday, there are eight races over the jumps at Leopardstown with a 1.10 start, seven races over the jumps at Musselburgh with a 1.22 start, and seven races over the jumps at Hereford with a 1.33 start. Equine Superstars This week we're looking at Frankel. Wonder Horse Frankel was born on the 11th of February 2008. A Bay Stallion by Galileo out of kind, Frankel was bred by the Judmont Farms operation and his owner was Prince Khalid Abdullah. Trained by the late Henry Cecil, his regular jockey was Tom Queeley. Frankel went on to record 14 races unbeaten and his major wins were the Royal Lodge Stakes 2010, the Dewar Stakes in 2010, the Greedham Stakes in 2011, the 2000 Guinea Stakes in 2011, St James's Palace Stakes in 2011, the Sussex Stakes in 2011 and 2012, the Queen Elizabeth Stakes in 2011, the Lockinge Stakes 2012, the Queen Anne Stakes in 2012, the International Stakes in 2012, the 2012 Champion Stakes. In all, Frankel won £2,998,302 from his 14-race unbeaten run. His time form rating was 147. All in all, a wonder horse. So now let's go back and remind ourselves of Frankel's performance in the 2000 guineas in 2000. They're off, they're racing then, and Dubawi Gold is slowly away from the gates for this Kipco 2000 guineas. Frankel got out well, Roderick O'Connor, and towards the near side, rerouted uh, with Frankel, who's gone on. Franco leads to rerouted in second place. Native Khan, Casamento, the blue jacket, nose bandit is going to chase through. Re Roderick O'Connor just in behind. Native Khan taking a prominent position. Jubawi Gold, happy today, have dropped out towards the rear of the field. But Franco is already four lengths clear. He's heading down now towards the last half mile. And it's Franco and Tom Queeley by five or six lengths to Casamento in second place. And then rerouted in third. Roderick O'Connor and Slim Shady and Native Khan just in behind those. Samin comes next and then comes Brooks. Jubalbi Gold is still at the back of the field, but at halfway, Frankel is almost 10 lengths clear. They're heading then down towards the bushes now. Frankel continues to be in a massive lead to Casamento in second place and then rerouted behind. That is Parfoot. Jubalbi Gold coming from the back of the field, but at the bushes, Frankel is 15 lengths clear. Frankel is heading down towards the last quarter mile. He's making every yard of the running here. Jubalbi Gold and Native Khan have moved into second and third places. Parfork is behind in third place, into the dip. Frankel continues to be in front. He's six or seven lengths clear to Jubarvi Gold is coming to second. Native Khan in third position, inside the last furlong. A horse who is pure class. Frankel has destroyed them from halfway. An amazing performance as Frankel heads towards the line to make every single yard in the Guinness and win it well. Jubarvi Gold in second, Native Khan in third. Slim Shady is just in fourth and Fury in fifth. All the way, and all the way the best. The best by far. Brilliant, extraordinary, unprecedented. The way Frankel has blown apart a Group 1 field, most of them off the bridle after three furlongs, and on a loosish rein, going further and further and further clear. Just extraordinary, this horse. Unbeaten still, the horse of many people's lifetime. And he might just be the horse of Henry Cecil's lifetime, and he's had some good ones. Tom Queeley rides this classic winner in the silks of Khalid Abdullah. And no matter how many extraordinary things that illustrious owner has seen on racecourses, I doubt he's ever seen anything like that. The margin was closed down late on, but the race was over. Wow. Is he the greatest racehorse ever? Well, that's a subject that will be debated for many, many years, I'm sure. But what a fantastic horse and what a fantastic performance. Our thanks to Racing UK for their commentary. Right, well, now we've got a bit of news from the Coral Racing Club. First of all, I think they've uh, quoted they've just reached 
over 50,000 members for the club, so that's a phenomenal response to a, a, a fairly unique idea, but it certainly seems to be working. Now we've got a few quotes here from some of the uh, trainers of the Coral Racing Club. Uh, we start with Rebecca Menzies. I'm delighted to say that Lady Mendoza seems a lot better after her snotty nose that she was suffering from last week. We've turned her out in the paddock and she's been extremely fresh, having a good buck and a kick, so she's certainly back to herself, which is great to see. She's just been doing some trotting so far, so for the rest of this week we'll get her cantering again and back into full work. Hopefully we are past the worst of the weather now and we are forecast a dry couple of weeks. So if that materialises, then we can look at getting another run into her in February. Thankfully the team are continuing in good form. We had a winner at Newcastle the other day and another horse at Wolverhampton who ran a cracker to hit the frame. So hopefully that continues. Lady Mendoza has been in good form at home. There's a race at Carlisle on Monday the 6th of February we're looking at. The ground is currently soft there, so we'd need a dry week, but there aren't many entries, then it might turn into a good opportunity for us. We are also considering a race at Market Raisin on Tuesday the 7th of February, but that's an EBF qualifier race that's worth quite a bit of money, so that might turn out to be pretty competitive. We'll probably give her an entry though, and track the declarations to see who's likely to run. The most suitable option though might be the Mayor's race at Southall on Wednesday the 8th of February. They've had decent ground there recently, so if it stays dry over the next week or so, then I'd say that's the more likely of the three options as it stands. John Joe O'Neill has also been talking to us about Hey Baby. John Joe O'Neill has also been talking to us about Hey Day Baby. This is what he had to say. We just ease off Hey Day Baby during the recent cold spell, although she's settled in well. Horses like humans are more prone to pick up minor issues, coughs and colds, if you like, when it's very cold, and we didn't want to push her too hard and risk setting her back. Hopefully, we're through the worst of the weather now. She's back cantering as normal, and all being well, if we have a clear fortnight or so, we can look to start her off in a bumper sometime from mid-February. It's normal for us to run young horses in bumpers first time out, they are a good way of giving the horse the experience of the race course without the added involvement of hurdles. So there we go. That's the latest from John Joe O'Neill on Heyday Baby. So if you're not a member of the Coral Racing Club, why not? It's free. You can't go wrong. So just check out their website. So that's the latest from the Coral Racing Club. Just check out their website at www.coralracingclub.coral.com .co.uk. Now it's time to pop over to Gloucestershire and catch up with Richard Phillips. Well, good afternoon, Richard. Nice of you to join us again. Um, we're going primarily to Ireland today, I gather. Well, yeah, the weekend is an extraordinary one. There's so many good horses running this weekend. It's a feast for all National Hunt fans. We've got Sandown on Saturday, uh, which is a great card, but uh, nothing in comparison, I'm afraid, to what's going to happen in the, uh, the Dublin Festival. Uh, but I, I would say that Sandown is a silly arse, obviously, Chase. Uh, Jerry Colomb is favourite of that. Uh, he's also entered in Ireland. But Jerry Colomb's a very good horse from Gordon Elliott. He's favourite for that two-and-a-half-mile graded race. Uh, the Brits are there with Bon Morale, uh, good horse of Nicholson, stepping up in trip. Uh, and also... Um, Coastal Balco, Nicky Henderson's, but I would have thought Jerry Colomb's going to be hard to beat. But Mon Morale, Paul, Paul Nichols, very keen on this all stepping up in trip over two and a half. But it's in Ireland where it's all going to happen Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, very much a, a Willie Mullins, Gordon Elliott uh, roadshow, isn't it? It certainly is. And Mullins seems to have the favourites in most races. It's a remarkable uh, array of talent he's sending out there. And on the Saturday, I think we've got the the Arkle there. Uh, we've got some cracking horses in there, um, including uh, Appreciated and Dysart Dynamo, both trained by William Mullins. Both very good horses. Appreciated, favourite for that just. Uh, we've got Galapanda Scholl running against Statler. Again, Mullins 1 2, first and second favourite. Galapanda Scholl, the favourite for the Gold Cup. Statler, um, a horse that's been 
fancied for the Gold Cup and also the Grand National. Um, he looks a very decent stayer and an improver in the making. So, uh, yeah, a fascinating day there. Before we go on to um, the Sunday where we have State Man taking on Honeysuckle and Bourbon. Uh, again, State Man from Willie Mullins. He's the favourite. Honeysuckle, disappointed for the first time ever uh, on a debut, but hopefully she's in better form this time. She's back to her best. My God, what a race that'll be. The Bourbon is a horse that won the Triumph last year at the festival and is a horse that ran pretty well on his seasonal debut and could be improving. So, um, And, of course, we've got a two-mile chase as well. We've got Blue Lord running in that, Gentleman de May, and a rare visitor from Britain in So Royale from Alan Kingsyard who goes in that two-mile equipment, the, the, uh, the Queen Mother. And a Facile Vega also running in a novice hurdle, uh, all graded races, all grade ones, some amazingly good horses, as well as some great bumpers and other novice hurdles. So it's a real fascinating weekend, and I would have been surprised if we didn't have some uh, real evidence of some Cheltenham winners in the making from that weekend. Richard, whilst I've got you on, um, we, we've spoken already about it on several occasions, this horse uh, whip business. Um, it seems to be doesn't want to go away. I gather that Harry Cobden and somebody else were could have been fined uh, or banned for 25 days or whatever it is. I mean, do you do you see this ever sort of dying down? Because it just seems to be a never-ending saga. Uh, I've probably said it before, but the only way you're going to end this saga is to actually stop jockeys from using the horse whip behind the saddle. Yeah. Um, and until then, it's going to go on and on. Um, I'm afraid they're trying to, you know, reduce the number of times horses are hit. Um, as we know, this what used to be the whip is now made of foam mainly. Uh, there's ar arguments as well as evidence, from welfare point of view, that this, you know, doesn't cause a, it's not a welfare issue. Having said that, the public in general will never accept it, I don't think. And they had a whip review recently in the last couple of years late because of COVID and um, no one's going to agree on it I'm afraid. Once you have a committee you'll never get an answer but I'm afraid um, it's going to be taken out of the hands of racing I think and that once a welfare issue like this is taken to the House of Commons uh, jockeys will only be allowed to carry the stick and not actually use it behind the, behind the saddle so I know jockeys were up in arms uh, literally on the pun over the, um, over the start of using the whip saying that they had to hold it in the backhand position, which to some people is a very difficult thing to do. You're going to be, uh, if you're touching a horse, you'll be touching in the wrong place. Um, it, it it won't go away. The worry is that if these horse, these jockeys get banned, the Cheltenham Festival, it won't matter who wins the champion hurdle, who wins the Gold Cup, the only news story will be the bans for the whip issue. So they're creating a problem there um, by making such an issue of it. But I'm afraid in my opinion, and opinion of a lot more people than you think, um, the problem will only go away once a jockey is allowed to carry it for safety reasons, but actually not be able to uh, use, the, use the whip behind the saddle. Hmm. Well, it's, it's a gloomy prospect, isn't it? But uh, I, can, I can see exactly where you're coming from. And, and as you say, once you start getting committees involved, you're never going to get an answer. But I guess we just have to hope well, that somewhere along the line... Say it's a gloomy prospect. How do you mean, how do you mean, Adrian? Well, the fact that it's going to keep going on, isn't it? Unless, unless, yeah. you know, unless the government sort of get involved, House of Commons or whatever. But I mean, you know, they've got a great record, haven't they? Well, well they will inevitably get get involved, and uh, I'm sure that if if they do, um, the the issue will be the fact you you know you're not what it looks like to the public. I'm afraid. Mm. Um, is that you're striking an animal and you're not allowed to strike a child or anyone. So why are you allowed to strike a, an animal now? I can make an argument against that, but I'm afraid the public, and a lot of people in racing realise this, that the public will never accept the fact that um, jockeys um, are allowed to hit a horse. So uh, John Frankham, a great rider, one of the greatest, he's said for a long time now that the whip should not be used behind the saddle. 
that just be carried for safety reasons. And you may get a different um, result uh, of a race because some horses um, run better for for the use of the stick. But in general, uh, racing will go on um, even without the stick. Mm. Gonna and what I also think is that there'll be more women riding in races, which will be better for the sport. Yeah, uh, horse racing is the only equestrian sport where. Uh, women are perceived to not be on an equal footing, although it's the only major sport where men and women compete on a level playing field. Uh, they don't in any other major sport, but um, Holly Doyle, Rachel Blackmore proving that um, to be a jockey doesn't matter what sex you are. You've got to be, a, you know, what you have to be is fit and have intelligence, tactical awareness, and I think if you took the away, I think it would encourage more people to put up uh, female riders. Mm. That's an interesting prospect. Good. Well, thank you, Richard. Um, I'm, I'm sure we could go on all afternoon with this one, but uh, you're a busy man. Yeah, and... unfortunately, it does get a lot of people um, in, in a lot, you know, a lot of people argue about it. And they, mm. Everyone's got their opinion about it, but uh, like you say, it's not going to be an issue that goes away unless, mm. the, unless the well we will watch with interest thank you sir for your comments and your uh, recommendations for the irish racing let's hope there's a few winners there for us but i suspect with willie mullins there and gordon elliott there's going to be some pretty short prices as well yeah there are going to be a fair few short prices but um i think there'll be still some if you're looking closely there'll be some interesting uh, races where horses probably improve come the shelter festival so the idea is to look at those races, study them and pick out horses that may well improve, but possibly some better going in the spring. So uh, it'll be good homework for everyone. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Richard. Um, we'll catch up with you next week. All being well. Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you very much. Thanks Cheers, a lot. David. Cheers, Richard. Have a good day. Well, that was our Richard Phillips with some very definite views on the whip issue, which I've no doubt is going to drag on a little bit longer yet. So now we go to Lambourne to catch up with Jamie Snowden. Well, good afternoon, Jamie. Thanks for joining us on the show. Uh, my first question is, how's Garlaw? Because it looked a nasty fall. Oh, you're very kind, Eddie. Thank you. He, um, he's got a couple of, couple of um, cuts on him, a um, bit, bit battered and bruised, but um, hopefully nothing more than battered and bruised. So... Um, he seems okay. Every every day that um, goes by, the, the cuts are getting better. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll see how he is in, in, in the next week or so. But um, he looked as though he was, you know, almost coming to win the race, really. He was going well enough. He was, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. So, obviously, he, he won the Paddy Power earlier, earlier this year, should I say. And um, we were stepping him up to three months for the first time. He was obviously off a... And mark of 150, but he was coming to win his race, and and um, yeah, that was uh, very disappointing. Never mind, these things happen. But you had a couple of winners yesterday, was it yesterday or day before yesterday? I had two, two winners, Calamari and Passing Valley, two lovely young horses. Yeah, so that was okay. Then made up for the disappointments a little bit, I expect. Exactly. So, no, um, that was always, always nice to keep the uh. The winners rolling in. Absolutely, yeah, that's all right. Now, I was just talking to uh, one of our other um, contributors to the show, Richard Phillips, about uh, this this whip whip business. It doesn't seem to want to go away, does it? I see that they're getting all worked up about it again. What, what's what's your feeling on it? Do you ever see it going away? Uh, to be honest with you, Ad, I, I, we've spoken on on this show about it. I, unfortunately, when it when whilst we're talking about the stick and the whip it's never going to go away you know mm. the do gooders in this the, the do gooders in this in this world don't like to see animals hit with a whip yeah. um, the fact the fact that it is a cushioned um persuader and, and you know does not hurt horses if hit in the correct place but it encourages them to go forward um uh, whilst we're talking about whips and sticks, it's never going to go away, AD. It's, no. um, it's never going to go away. Disappointed, really, but, uh, you know, it, as, as Richard said, you know, 
you've only got to find it uh, at Cheltenham, for example, if somebody gets banned before Cheltenham um, for using the whip, that it's it's going to be that's going to be the the news, isn't it? Not the blooming race. It'll be that. Yeah, and 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 unfortunately, you know, we've racing has has a has a has a way of constantly shooting itself in the foot, yeah. and 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 instead of being on the on the front foot in in trying to bring in these new changes, they they they, they I don't know who sat on the panel, but whoever sat on the panel has come up with these ridiculous ideas, and and it's just it's impractical. Yeah. They've obviously never ridden a horse in their life, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And until until you've ridden a horse and ridden in a race, you you, you just got no understanding of of how it works. No, no, no. It's disappointing, really disappointing. But there we go. Um, uh, what have you got over the weekend? We've got two tomorrow at Chepstow and one at one at Wincanton on Saturday. Okay. And chances? Yeah, tomorrow Thomas McDonough and and Super Survivor. Um, Thomas McDonough, he's a, he's an old boy. He's won he's won a load of races for us. He's coming down to a to a handicap mark that he can hopefully be competitive off again. Um, Super Survivor is a lovely young horse. He's he he won two of his three novice hurdle starts last year. He's won one of his two novice chases this year. Um, he's a really nice progressive young horse. He does want soft ground, so I do hope that 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 it's that it's soft enough there for him. It's amazing how dry it's been everywhere. Mm. Um, and then, and then Kiltilly Briggs runs at. Um, Runs at Sandown on Saturday, um, so yeah, he's um, he's in a fifty grand race there. And is is he sixteen to one? Is that a reasonable price for him? Do you think? Yeah, he's coming back to two miles, which is a little bit of a gamble. But um, if it if it if it works, then brilliant. If it doesn't, then the handicapper might drop him a few pounds, and he's got a better chance next time. So yeah. it's um, it's a risk it's a risk worth taking in such a valuable race. Okay, uh, Jamie, that's fine, but certainly you sound a little bit up, uppish about Super Survivor, so I'll have to have a look at that one tomorrow. But anyway, thanks for joining us, Jamie. You go on yourself back and drive, yeah. drive carefully going home, and uh, we'll speak to you next week. Thanks, Eddie. Well, that was Jamie Snowden, and we're now going to catch up with Dave Wilson from Harlequin Racing. Well, good evening, Dave. Thanks for joining us again. Um, how's the old Lucky 15 looking? Very well. We've got forty-three pounds seventy-five in the kitty at the moment. How much? Seventy-three, had, uh, did you say? No, forty-three. Oh, forty-three. We're not quite up to seventy yet. Forty-three. Hopefully, it'll be seventy-three by this time next week. Yeah. But we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. We had a stage star win for us uh, last week. Who we we backed at six to one and uh, ESP'd eleven to four, and he, he actually ran an absolute blinder up at Cheltenham. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Delta Work who finished in the frame and Phoenix Way who was a big price finished in the frame uh, trained by Harry Fry so the lucky 15 went very well last week Yeah. Uh, with the other horses that we gave on the show as well when we went through the card Editor De Guy we gave in uh, Clarence House he won that at 14 to 1 and we said it'd be a, a bit of an each way bet there with the other two being a bit dodgy on their jumping Mm. It turned out to be the case when uh, Inertia Main uh, smashed through the last and literally come to a standstill. So uh, there was that. And then we also give uh, Hacker de Plessis, who won the last race there at Cheltenham on Saturday. And uh, there was a huge owners group following there on Saturday, which they had six runners over the Saturday and Sunday period for owners group, and five of them won, yeah. which was a phenomenal return for the, the micro syndicates mm. now with the micro syndicates it, it's very good you pay 50 pound roughly per share for a horse and you you literally own that horse then for a year and you get the option to continue with your ownership of him for the following year or or you relinquish your share and uh, you get what his worth is at that time so uh, it's a great little setup with the owners group yeah uh, sounds it and, uh, we've got 42 horses, I think, in training at the moment with them. So uh, it's really good, and you get you get to see the you get to see the trainers, you get to see the jockeys, you get owners' badges, you get lovely days out, and then you get special days like we had uh, at Cheltenham on Saturday, where we had uh, Stage Star and Hacker de Plessis win, and Maximilian followed it up up at Doncaster. He won the River Don. And we went on the Sunday. Unit 64 bolted up at Fontwell, and Rich Hill won. At Subble, so uh, six runners over the week, five winners, and 
the other fella was in a race with, with Hackett at Christie's and he finished about eighth or ninth. So uh, he was only ever going to get six out of five at the best rate. So a uh, great system to have a look at. And anyone that's interested, it's ownersgroup.co.uk. So you can have a look on there and uh, see what you want to have a look at. And as I say, like we're very much involved in it here and we love it. And uh, the system is very good. So uh, there we go. Good, 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 good. And you've been to Wing Candle right, today. Right. Did you have a good afternoon? Yeah, we had a uh, fellow running... Well, we had one running yesterday called Sandalwood down at Exeter. He ran a, a half-decent race. He wasn't, wasn't very special. He, he's not going to be one of the stars of the team. And then we had Killalone running at Wing Candle today. He finished fourth. He needs about another mile added on to the trip that he was running on today, but... He ran a very good race, plodded on well, and uh, we shall see how he turns out. Okay. So what have we got in the old lucky 15, then? Where are we going for that? We're going to have a look at Sandown this week. We was going to have a look at Leopardstown, but I don't know what's going on out there. We've got no English runners out there, so it's a little bit misleading for me to give four selections out at Leopardstown when it's all Irish racing and... I don't think that the public listening to the show will be too interested in Irish racing and Irish horses uh, when we've got Sandown on with a lovely card. So yeah. we're going to have a look at Sandown anyway. Okay. So we're going to start with the 110 race there, and the horse that we like is Twin Jets. Now, Harry Cobden's going to be riding it, but he's, he's riding it for Milton Harris. Now, Milton Harris is a localish trainer based down near Warminster just off the A303 in between 303 Longleat area that's where Milton's yard is and he's a very very nice guy and if you ever go racing and bump into Milton he's always open to have a chat with anyone about anything you want to ask him about his horses and I had a good chat to him today and he said to me that he really fancies twin jets in the in the 110 at Sandown on Saturday now he's had five runs today he's won four of them uh, the only time he got beat, he got beat on good ground at Cheltenham and uh, the, the consensus of opinion is he wants it a little bit good to soft or softer. So uh, we shall see. Last time out, he beat Twin Power, who's second favourite. Now, he beat him nine lengths. Now, there's an eight-pound weight reversal to, co in, to gather into the nine lengths that he beat him. So I think... Nine lengths beating an eight pound doesn't really justify it. I think that that means Twin Jet still beats him by about four and a half, five lengths. So, with Harry Cobden riding him and Harry's riding out of his skin at the moment, I'm certainly going with Twin Jets. He's priced up around about seven to four to start the lucky 15 off. Okay. Uh, second leg is uh, 145, and we're going with Red Rookie. Tom Bellamy takes a ride for Emma Lavelle, uh, Wiltshire-based trainer, so localist yet again. Now, this fellow, he was running on very strongly in the Arkle uh, Cheltenham last year at a massive price of about 80 to 1. He was in sixth and closing in on the on the leading pack, and he, he actually came down. So he... He didn't really show what he was going to benefit there. I think he would have finished about third or fourth in that race of where he was running on. Now, he'd come out on the 27th of December this year, World's Grand National Day, over at Chepstow. And I was there that day, and the weather was horrendous. I had a waterproof coat on, and I was soaked. It was that bad. Now, his, his seasonal reappearance, he, he'd come fifth on it, and... Emma Lavelle's stable was a little bit off-colour at that time. They had this virus going through, and it was quite noticeable that her horses wasn't running very well. Now, the stable's come back into form. Paisley Park's been winning, and this fellow's now had his pipe opener, and he's back on the card ready for this race here. Now, he's priced up at a nice price, 6 7 to one sort of price, and I think Red Rookie have run a very, very big race there, so... Second leg of a lucky 15 this week is Red Rookie in the 145. Right, you up. Now, the third leg, saying that we don't like the Irish horses and that, I've got to go with the Irish horse in the third leg. The 220 race, and uh, we're going here with a horse called Jerry Colombe. 
Jordan Gainford's coming over for Gordon Elliott to ride this. Now, this horse has had six races, six wins, and he won a Class 1, Grade 1, Fahim Novice Chase last time out at Limerick. And he won it on the snap, as they say. Uh, I think he won. I think the official distance was four and three quarters, and it could have been 44 and three quarters. Now, he looks an absolute machine. Now, the second best in the race looks to be Mon Morale, and the pair of them look head and shoulders above the rest. Now, Mon Morale has been a bit of a bridesmaid lately. He's been second, second, and second. And he opened his career up with four or five wins in a row, but he just keeps bumping into one, and I think he's bumped into one again in this uh, 220 at Sandown on Saturday in the shape of Jerry Colombo. Now, if you've got a Ladbrokes account that you can get on at the moment, Jerry Colombo is 5-4 to four with Ladbrokes. Every other betting firm has got him at 4-5 to five or 10-11 to 11 on favourite. So Ladbrokes are giving some value at the moment if you want to get on quick. Okay, I will. Good advice, that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've already been on and had a little little tickle, yeah. as they say. Now, we're going down to the 2.55 for our last run. Now, John Joe O'Neill Jr., he rides uh, one of my horses, Call Me Freddy, and uh, you come out and see Freddy up at Rashinda Ford's yard when you've done, done that interview with her. Mm, now, right, John yeah. Joe O'Neill's uh, our jockey for us, so I was talking to John Joe up at Wing Canton today, and he said to me that he thinks Frightbeck will certainly win at Sandown on Saturday. So in the 2.55 at Sandown on Saturday, Frightbeck's running. Now, I looked through his form when I got home, and it's obviously it's got to be the most solid form that I can look at for the whole weekend. He's won three of his last six races. He pulled up once where the going wasn't right for him. He come fifth in a Class 1 Grade 3 event, and that was on the wrong going. And he also has a second to a horse called Storm Nelson. Now, Storm Nelson got lifted five pounds by the handicapper for beating Flight Deck. And next time he come out, he won on the bridle by five lengths. So it just shows how good Flight Deck was in defeat that day. And five to one about this horse, I just think is an absolute each one banker bet for the weekend. And we're going to stick him in as the fourth leg of our lucky 15. So that's... Uh, Right back in the 255 there. Okay, thank you very much, Dave. Um, uh, let's hope that uh, the form stands up and you have four winners. It'd be lovely, wouldn't it? It would be, yes. And uh, we, we're, get, we're getting there. We're having the one winner and two places and two winners and a place. So uh, we're totting the money up and it, it's gradually building up as we always do, but we've, we've just not hit that home run, as they say. So uh, hmm. I'm sure it's not far away and. Uh, I think we've certainly got two winners, maybe three on Saturday at least, which could be good, and uh, hopefully the fourth one will kick in as well. So uh, we shall see how we get on. But okay. Just remember, when you have a bet, guys, you've uh, got this gamble-aware stuff, so don't bet more than what you can afford, and uh, all of that, Renavi. Yeah, okay, I'm sure they won't. Don't you worry about that. So thank you for that, mate, and we will no doubt speak to you next week. Will do, mate. Thank you very much. Lovely. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for coming on. Cheers for now. Well, that was Dave Wilson from Harlequin Racing, and we're going to get that money to the injured jockeys fund sooner or later. It's going to come up. Uh, now then, where do we go now? Well, who else? Bringing up the rear as usual, it's Colin Brown. Well, good evening, Colin. How the devil are you? I'm really well, and yourself? Yeah, not too bad, really. Um... Uh, my mate who had the stroke, he's getting better, so that's all right. Aww. And uh, life sort of, you know, yeah, not too bad, not too good. bad. So good. Well, that's uh, that's good, promising news, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but racing-wise, it's a little bit on the quiet side. Mm-hmm. Um, this weekend we got some quite good races at Sandland Park at Weatherby. A little bit of flat racing here and there. Um, and I think we're going to start at Kempton Park. Stakes race at Kempton. A friend of mine had a runner in a race the other day, so I went through the race for him to see what I saw a chance he had. And um, he ran quite well in the race, actually. But uh, there were some of them caught the eye that flew at the end that will win this six o'clock at Kempton. It's probably not going to be the best prize, but 
for those of you that like to stick a few in doubles and trebles, it's called Spring Promise, number eight in the six o'clock at Kempton. It's uh, as a Godolphin horse, trained by Charlie Appleby, and um, I'd be very surprised if it didn't win uh, there at Kempton. So that is basically what I think will go in there. Um, right, E O E O. And you can put in a double, one of Clive Cox's, which is about even money, called Kingdom Come in the 7 o'clock there at Kempton. It won there the other day with Ross and Ryan in the saddle. Before that, ran quite well in a decent race at Doncaster last September. Uh, before that, one beaten very far in a decent race at Newbury. I think that will win. It's owned by the China Racing Club. And it's called Kingdom Come in the 8th. In the seven o'clock at Kempton, so that's that's our little bit of flat racing over with for those of you that don't follow flat racing much. Um, and then we'll move on, I think, to to Weatherby. Um, some quite good racing up at Weatherby. It's a pretty good track, Weatherby. Um, and you know they've been struggling these tracks over the last few weeks with snow and frost and God knows what. And then when they start to dry out, all of a sudden the ground becomes very tacky. And uh, quite hard work. So you do need something that's um, going to act in a bit of sort of easy-ish ground, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, and Weatherby in the one o'clock, there's a horse that um, caught my eye the other day. Uh, he came over from Ireland. He had a couple of runs here. Um, he had a few runs, uh, two runs actually here at Air. But he won the other day at Air with Daryl Jacob up. And uh, he's owned by Simon Munir and Mr. Isaac Swede. And um, he's a horse called... Whoop, he's a horse called um, Largy Shark. But he's trained, uh, say, by Crawford in Ireland. He ran a couple of times here, ran a couple of times in Ireland. So that'll win uh, with Sam Ewing in, in the one o'clock at Weatherby. OK. Um, right. What? else wins at Willoughby. Um, I'm just going to flick on to my uh, to my um, on my internet. The, do you know what? The internet always when you just want to look up things quickly they end up being slow don't they? Why is that? I just don't know. Well, it's a, it's, anyway, it's a conspiracy to do you in. That's the trouble. I think it is. You yeah. know, I'm going to uh, have a double up with uh, Crawford Source at Willoughby. He runs a horse called O'Toole, and um, the favourite is Bally Griffin Cottage of Skeltons. But O'Toole did nothing wrong at Newcastle last time out, and I think he might run a big race in the 240 at Weatherby. So uh, I'm going to say to the listeners, stick those two in a double, and uh, you know you could put the two at Kempton in with those two and stick them in a nice little um, Yankee or a. Uh, Lucky 15 or something, and um, they pay a few bob if they all came off, and they've all got big chances. Okay. Sounds easy, doesn't it? God, yeah, like Mary yeah. be there at home writing this down, getting those right, getting them in the right order, get, making sure a bike and tyres are pumped up and ready to fly down the shop on Saturday morning, down the bookmakers, down there in Dorset. Yeah. To uh, have a right old wager, I'd say, wouldn't you? I reckon she will be. I think she will be. I spoke to her last week. She's in very good form. Good old Mary. She's fantastic. She's brilliant. So, yeah, she's in flying form. Looking forward to the Cheltenham Festival, of course. Oh, um, no. Right. Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. Aren't we all? But it's a few weeks away, yeah. Um, right. Here we go. I'm going to go now to Sandown Park. And Sandown Park, some very good racing there. There's a couple of races that I won a few years ago when I was riding, including the Silly Isles Novices Chase. But um, let's have a look at the first race. It's a Novice Hurdle. Um, what wins it? There's a horse that I think will win it. It was a winner at Taunton last time out. It's got some decent form in, um, in France, actually. And it's called Illico... Dollar eight, and it's horse number three in the twelve thirty-five at uh, at Sandown Park. 
trained by Nichols. It beat way out six cents down at Taunton the other day. Not a very good race, but it looks a good sort, this one. And I would say it will absolutely hose up. You know, Nichols had a, yeah, his horses are running well, aren't they? And those owners' club horses, he had a couple mm. of winners at, um, where was it, uh, Cheltenham last weekend? Yeah, they're all yeah. absolutely flying. So, yeah, in good form. In good form, and I think this one will win the first at um, Sandman Park. Radio. Radio, radio. Let's move to the second race there. Um, yep. Oh, and um, there's a horse that's won from Milton Harris. I don't know whether you spoke to Milton or not. I, I haven't spoken to him for a while. Twin no. Jets. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's called Twin Jets, and it, uh, it beat Twin Power. That would have been a forecast. Uh, Plumpton last time out. There's a horse that's got some big entries like Ballymore, Albert Bartlett. They obviously think a fair bit of it. And um, it's, a, it's a horse that I think probably can win today. Well, so I'll tell you something about him, Colin. Um, yeah, go on. Go uh, on. Our Dave Wilson, who, as you know, comes on the show before you, he was at Wincanton yeah, today. Yeah. And who was at Wincanton today with him? Milton Harrison. Milton Harris happened to mention that Twin Jets he was very fond of and he thought it had a good chance. So there you go. Fantastic. Well, I think it will win. So Twin Jets for me um, at uh, Sandown Park. Right. Okay. Let's <laughs> move on. Let's move on. I think Monmural can win the 220 at Sandown Park, the Silly Isles Novelist Chase. It's not the favourite, but Mon Merrill, trained by Nichols, that was second to the real Wacker last time out, and before that, second to John Bonnet at Warwick. I think it's got a really big, big chance of winning. Gordon Elliott's got a horse over that's um, sort of unbeaten um, in all his races, to be honest, called Jerry Colombe. But, you know, he's um, he hasn't beaten anything exceptional, and... Um, He's pretty short price, so Mon Merrill, uh, Cobden rides it for um, his boss, Paul Nichols. I think that would take a bit of beating. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. All right. Race handicap hurdle. I don't really fancy much in that. The three thirty is the second last race. Let's have a look. Um, yeah, which is a handicap chase over three miles. Um, Second, come on, computer. Warm up a little bit. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't really fancy anything that either. Looks too too difficult. So we'll see if we can just get one in the last. The national flat race, the last race on the card. Um, wrapped up in May. It's, uh, there's a horse in the race that's won its last two for Nichols, owned by Johnny Delahaye. They have loads of winners at Sandown. Those colours, those pink and blue colours, and at Ascot. And it's called Wrapped Up in May at one extra on the first day of 2023. And it'll win again today. Wrapped Up in May in the 403 at Sandown, uh, AD and listeners. And that's your lot, really, for this weekend. I think we'll have a good few winners. I hope you're right, Colin, because that's the object of the exercise, is it not? Well, it is, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Okay, mate. Well, thank you very much for that. We will get back to you next week, no and hopefully, we'll yeah. be reporting on um, one, two, three, four, five, oh, six, seven, goodness. eight, an eight timer for you. Yeah, I think I think we'll have an eight timer. So yeah. stick them. I'm going to stick all those now. Uh, to, you know, in an eight timer. You never know. That is the sort of bets that just all for a, for a silly fiver. They're the sort of bets that all of a sudden come on. You know. Hmm. What was that clink I heard then? Is that a clink of a glass? I tell you what it was. It was a clink of a little red wine glass saying, Colin, I think wow. you probably need a little glass of wine. There we have you have you been racing today? No, I haven't, but I'm I, I haven't um, but uh, when this programme goes on I will have been down at Chepstow. Ah right. Well you'll probably bump into Dave Wilson because he's going to Chepstow because he mentioned it to, to me today. So um, I expect he'll he'll look you up, no doubt. That's uh, yeah. I met some um, Newbury the other day, so I should look forward to seeing him. 
Good. Okay then, Colin. Well, we will look forward to next week and hopefully an eight-timer. Thank you very much for joining us. Take care, AD. All the best to you, mate. Bye. Will do. Bye-bye. Well, that was our Colin. Chirpy as ever. Eight-timer, eh? Be nice if you could come up with an eight-timer, wouldn't it? Eh? I should say so. Anyway, that brings us to an end this edition of The Racing Show. So, please make sure you join us next week. Same time, same station. And hopefully we'll be talking about eight winners across the, the Sandown and the Weatherby cards. We'll see. Until then, though, have a good week. Bye for now. Thank you.